1 Corinthians 12, let me read this here. Uh, 12, 13, and 14 are, are three important chapters where Paul was addressing some things at the church in Corinth, but it, it highlights some, some spiritual matters and things that we need to be aware of. And there's a lot more to it, but this is a good uh, window to see into the spirit realm and the kingdom how things work. Uh, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, verse 1, Paul says this, Now concerning spiritual brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now your Bible probably says spiritual gifts. Is that true? But the word gifts should be in your Bible. It should be italicized. Is it italicized? The reason it's italicized is because it is not in the original text. It is added by the translators to help us understand. Anytime you see an italicized word, it's not exactly written in the text. They, they add it for our, uh, to, to better improve our interpretation. And so it can be added here and it makes sense. Spiritual gifts, fine, we understand that. But on the other hand, if you just take it out, uh, because the chapter is not only talking about gifts, right. now concerning spiritual brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. One way to look at it and, and the way the Amplified and some other translations said, con- concerning things of the spirit, Concerning spiritual, concerning things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost, concerning these things pertaining to the Holy Spirit, I want to write some things. Hmm. All of a sudden you realize that this chapter, especially in this passage and then even the next two are highly spiritual. Like you're not really going to understand this passage unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Unless you speak with tongues, it's not going to be very easy for you to grasp some of these concepts. <clears throat> then he goes on and he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of these spiritual things or things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. We could say that that word is charisma. There's diversities of endowment, but the same spirit. There's differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Diversities of activities or operations, but it's the same God who works all in all. I'm not going to try to get into teaching details about all of that, but just notice that there's... There's gifts, there's ministries, there's operations. There's lots that the Spirit can do. There's lots of things that go on in, in, in body life where the Spirit is operating through people. The Spirit is using ministry. The Spirit is manifesting with endowment, endowments of gifts upon preachers, teachers, and even believers. And then manifestations of the Spirit is next. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all or exhibition manifestation to exhibit, to, to show off basically, not in a a fancy uh, prideful way, but just to appear, to present, to manifest, to exhibit verse eight. So, so then it lists out these nine that we call them gifts of the spirit. That's fine. Technically they're manifestations of the spirit. Technically, these are manifestations of the Spirit, not endowments of the Spirit. An endowment would be apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and maybe some other ways you could use that term. These are manifestations of the Spirit, but we can call them gifts because that's commonly how how the church discusses it. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. That's not natural wisdom. That's spiritual wisdom. I'll just give a quick recap of each. That's having insight into the plans and purposes of God. And it really is the one gift that tells the future. The gift of prophecy in this realm or in this list is not telling the future. The word of wisdom is the prediction of the future, having insight into the mind of God for the future. To another, the word of knowledge. That would be knowing something by the Spirit that you would never know naturally. This is not people owning wisdom or owning knowledge. And this is where you you find that if you're not Spirit-filled, you don't know how to teach these things. Uh, John Osteen is our best example of it that I know of. 
but a many have fallen his steps because the way that non-spirit filled people teach this passage is from the natural standpoint. And they read it and they skip that it's a word of wisdom and they just say, see, some people have wisdom. That's their gift. And some people have knowledge. That's their gift. They got three college degrees. And this is how John, one time when John Osteen was still a Baptist, he was teaching this passage and he gets, he says to uh, the word of wisdom, people have wisdom, knowledge, people have knowledge. To another faith, some people have faith. To another uh, healing, some people are called to be doctors. They have gifts of healing. To another, the working of miracles. And he got to the, this, the working of miracles and he got to this one and he said, I'm just going to stop right here. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Isn't that wonderful? As a Baptist preacher, he recognized, I, I don't really know what I'm talking about here. Because these are spiritual things. And until you get filled with the Spirit and go through that door of tongues, you're never going to have the insight that you need, nor the faith that you need in these matters. <clears throat> to another faith by the same Spirit. That's not normal faith. That's not the faith that got you saved, because every Christian has faith to be saved. Every Christian has the measure of faith. That means you have the potential to believe God. You got saved by it. Now you can believe God to live by it. This right here is actually special faith. Faith that is not constant upon you. Faith that comes for moments upon you. Like a jacket. The Lord, we can say the Holy Spirit throws a jacket of faith on you so that you can perform a miracle or believe God through a big trial. It can happen if you have a huge debt and need to get financially stable. All of a sudden, this thing comes upon you and you can believe God out of the ordinary. We all need to be growing in faith, increasing our faith, developing our faith, practicing our faith, learning more so that we have some faith. Faith comes by hearing. I've got to hear and then I've got to act it, activate. I've got to appropriate. I've got to apply faith. So I'm growing as a Christian in my faith and I'm trusting God in this area, in this area, in this area. But there might come a time when it's an emergency and you have to raise the dead. There might come a time when it's an emergency and you've got to lift the car off somebody. There might come a time uh, when, when somebody's going through something and they need your help. And so you jump in and the gift of faith comes upon you. And some of us have felt that before. And it's like, all of a sudden, I can do anything. All of a sudden, this will not fail. And then after the, the miracle happens, it's like that disappears from you. So you can't just run around the hospital emptying it all the time. I'm sure there's been somebody that had the gift of faith and ran through the hospital and the working of miracles and gifts of healings and emptied it here and there. But it's not something that you can conjure up and it's not something that stays on you. If not, let's find that person and send them to all of Houston. Matter of fact, let's send that person to all these construction companies. Tell them to quit building these hospitals everywhere. We don't need them. It doesn't work that way. These come as the spirit wills. And you'll see that in a minute. To another faith, special faith. When your faith reaches its end, maybe the, the, the gift of faith, the manifestation of faith comes. But you need to push yourself to the end. Like You need to trust that you're going to believe God no matter what. And then the gift of faith may come. Right. So you can't just sit around on your couch. Well, if I had the gift of faith, I'd go do something for God. To another gifts of healings. This would be manifestations of healing in a special way. It can be looked at several ways. Sometimes people find themselves being used to heal certain diseases. That's one way that we've seen it kind of work. But notice it's not the gift of healing. It's not the gift, like, oh, you have the gift of healing. Everybody go to this person, they have the gift of healing. It's not the gift. It is gifts of healings. It's plural. So God can use everybody in a different way to heal the sick. Now, we can all, have a, we can all use faith to heal the sick. We can all lay hands on any sick person to get them well. But then sometimes certain people at certain times are used with an unction. Like, I have... I have I have this capacity to heal arthritis or deaf ears and use that while you have it. Wow. It may be a season of your life. It may wow. be just one meeting. Gifts of healings can manifest as the spirit wills. Working of miracles is next to another, the working of miracles. What's a working of miracle? 
It's supernatural miracle. It's something, and this is, it's very similar to other, uh, to faith and, and what faith can do and what healing can do, but the working of miracles might be a little different in many, in many instances. Like if, if I need my car to work, it doesn't need to be healed. It needs a miracle. And, and many of you have experienced that where you didn't have any gas or your car was broken and all of a sudden you laid hands on it and it started right up and it, it got you to the next place. I did that one time. I was, I was in my pickup truck. I was traveling to go preach here in Texas and I had a big meeting to do in Brenham and I got in my pickup truck and uh, uh, the air condition didn't work and it was in the middle of August. Uh, oh man. And I was going to do an outreach. I was going to have to have people in my truck and it was going to and I was just like, oh, this is terrible. This is the worst thing that could possibly happen. So I opened up my hood, and I went and looked at the air condition in there under the hood. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you work. And I just hit it with my thumb, and boom, it started working. Praise, God. Praise the Lord. That thing worked all the way to Brenham all week long. Got me all the way home. When I hit the city limits, it went off again. <laughs> and I went and got me a new air condition put in. But I know that that was something supernatural. I needed it. And so I, I, it was a working of miracle or, or faith or something. So occasionally you'll, you'll find you need something like that. My, my air conditioning didn't need to be healed, so I didn't need a gift of healing. But then again, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. Just use your faith and get it done. If a person, you know, is missing a toe, they don't need to be healed. They, they need a miracle. Growing a toe would be a miracle. Healing a, a broke toe would be a, a healing. We don't have to get so technical about all these things, but just a way for you to at least have a perspective. And then here we go another, to another prophecy, to another prophecy. Now, the, uh, the next chapter talks about what prophecy really is, speaking unto men, to edification, exhortation. You want to see that? Go to 14. 14, this is the simple gift of prophecy. So when you hear the word prophecy, don't automatically think end times prophecy, prophetic prediction. Don't think that first. Uh, here's the simple gift of prophecy, which is being spoken of here. Verse three, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men, to people. See that? The simple gift of prophecy is exhorting by the Spirit, saying something edifying by the Spirit. You hear it in church quite a bit here. It may be, well, let's read the next thing. Go back to chapter uh, 12. Prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. Well, let me skip that one for a second. To another different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. So manifestations of the Spirit are tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And you've heard that in here. You'll hear a tongue and then an interpretation comes. Now, not when we're all praying in tongues, that's different. A prayer meeting in tongues is different than this. This is a manifestation of tongues for the purpose of getting a message to the group. Or it could be a message to one person. But this use of tongues that he's talking about, the manifestation where the Spirit gives a tongue and an interpretation is for the hearer to be edified. Amen. So you could have tongues and interpretation, a fresh word from heaven, we're edified, or you can skip the tongues and just have a prophecy and it will edify. And so for many times, especially amongst only believers, you'll hear prophecy and it, it'll skip the tongues. So tongues and interpretation equals the simple gift of prophecy. You understand that? But then sometimes our faith to be used by God is in the tongues first. So an, a, a tongue giver will, will sense an unction and give tongues. And then maybe they have the interpretation after, or maybe someone else has the interpretation after. That's a manifestation that you can't make happen every service. You can't force gift of prophecy. You can't force interpretation of, or tongues and interpretation. They're manifestations of the Spirit as He wills. Does that make sense? Now, anybody can pray in tongues anytime you want to. And this is one of the errors that people have made by, in misinterpreting Scripture. It's like, uh, well, not everybody has tongues. That's not what it said here. This is manifestations because later he says, I want you all to prophesy. Excuse me. I want you all to speak in tongues. I wish you all spoke in tongues. 
But this is talking about in public. So one use of tongues is in public where you have tongues and an interpretation. That's one use. Another use of tongues is where the tongue is in a native language that only the native person would understand. If I, if, if some, how many of you speak French in here? Okay, so if I gave tongues and it came out in French, you could understand it. Nobody else could. But it would be a sign to you that God is speaking to you. And that's what the next chapter is going to explain. Uh, uh, a known language tongue is the second use of tongues. I've tried that before. I've been with somebody that didn't speak good English. And I, I thought, let me, let me try to have this gift so that they can understand what I'm saying. And so I started talking in tongues to see if they could get it. And they didn't get it. But I guarantee if I would try that more and more, uh, it would probably start working for me. If I could use my faith and covet that, it would probably start working. Other people have had that happen. And so you need to be open to that, that if you're with somebody that can't understand the gospel and you have a, an unction and a compassion for them, uh, just let your tongues go and see if it can come out. And it may not even come out in their language. They might hear it in their language. Once you get into the spirit, no telling what could happen. Matter of fact, you've heard me tell this before that my first time in a church to give an interpretation, you know, you're very scared. You're very nervous when you stand up and give some anything in church for the first time and the second time. But uh, there was a moment in a church service in my first church and, and, and somebody gave a tongue out loud. And as soon as they started, I had this feeling, oh no, oh no, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Oh no, I've got it. Oh no, I've got to do it. I didn't know what to say. I had no knowledge of what to say. I just knew I had to do it. And I'm sitting there just nervous, just beat red, just embarrassed, just, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. I hope it goes forever. And it didn't go forever. And finally they stopped with the tongues and I stood up. I just made myself, I got to do this. This is God. I know it's God. I don't know what to do. I've never done this. And I stood up and I gave a sentence. And that's all I had. And I sat back down and the service continued on. And I thought, I did it. I did it. After the service, uh, a Spanish-speaking lady come over, came over to me. And she said, when you stood up and gave the interpretation of the tongue in English, she said, I heard you in Spanish. Oh, wow, wow. That's like a double whammy, a double interpretation. And it just helped me recognize, you know what? God's bigger than all of us. He'll do things that you didn't even come up with. So you got to trust the manifestation of the spirit. Now, let me back up to discerning of spirits. Notice, does your Bible say discerning of spirits? Does every Bible say discerning of spirits? Okay. What, 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 what translation are you using? Okay. You got to be very careful. Uh, and it says what? Just discernment. Discernment of spirits. Okay, that's fine. Discernment or discerning of spirits is not discernment. Okay, so people have said, I have, I have the gift of discernment. They told me I had the gift of discernment. I think I might have the gift of discernment. There is no such gift. Okay? Discernment equals wisdom. Go look it up in the dictionary. Discerning what's right and wrong good and evil, and solving problems, they're all part of wisdom. Remember, Solomon asked for a wise and discerning heart that he could judge the people. And then God, we, you know, we get, he gave him wisdom. Because, then God said, because you asked for wisdom, he didn't really ask for wisdom, he asked for discerning heart. He said, because you asked for wisdom, I'll give you everything. So good discernment is wisdom. Every Christian should have discernment. We're commanded to discern. We're commanded to try everything and see if it passes the test. That we approve things that are excellent, that we try the things that differ. That's good discernment. We're all supposed to have it. And if you don't have good discernment, you're supposed to ask God for it. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. So wisdom and discernment, same thing. Everybody can have that and should have that. And just because you're a smarty pants doesn't mean you have a gift of discernment. You need the spirit of wisdom upon you. Mm -hmm. Everybody can have that though. 
This is talking about something different. Discerning of spirits is being able to detect and see spirits. Demons, angels, some people think human spirits, which might be very limited, uh, but yet you can detect the, the condition of a human spirit probably. But technically, it's to be able to see into the spirit realm. That's what discerning of spirits. So if you've ever seen an angel with your eyes or with your spirit, that's a discerning of spirits gift most likely. If you've ever seen a demon in the spirit, that's a discerning of spirits. And it's not so that you can run around saying, I saw demons everywhere. (laughs) And if you're only seeing demons, you might have a real problem. Some people, you know, as soon as they start seeing demons, man, there's something. And then they make, they, they make everybody else feel little. You didn't see no demon? I saw the demons. <laughs> Verse 11, but the one and the self-same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So... You can covet these gifts. One scripture says, covet the best gifts. On the other hand, recognize it's really the spirit of God giving you these manifestations as he wills. So we come to church expecting to be used, expecting that the manifestations occur, but you just can't force it. Man, if we could force these manifestations, we'd do it every single service. Like we'd cut the message short. We'd cut the message out if we could just make all this happen. No, no, we wouldn't do that. And then let me connect it just just for fun here. Verse 12, for for as the body is one. so, So all these manifestations are not to make you famous. These manifestations are for the body of Christ. And they're also, you'll see, for a sign to the unbeliever, especially the tongue's part, but any miracle would be a sign to unbelievers to get saved. Jesus said, if I don't do the signs and wonders, some of you aren't going to believe. So we do need to do signs and wonders. They are the dinner bell for salvation. But just notice verse 12, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member sitting at home by himself, but many, oh, I'm sorry. Preach it! Again, if you're uh, confined at home for various reasons, health or, or other there's mercy and we love you and we're not condemning people. But if you have any chance whatsoever to connect to a local church body, you must. Amen. And if you live in the outskirts of the far, farthest corner of the United States and there's no good, decent church uh, in your area, then you become a member online and you do something online. And you participate with every single thing we do online. My mother, my mother said last Sunday, she said, uh, I, I, got in that, I got in that prayer line with y'all from online. It's hard to do, but you got to do what you got to do. So maybe we'll just go like this with our virtual hologram one day. Okay. Let's move on a little bit to the spiritual aspect of a spirit-filled church. What is, what does it mean? What denotes a spirit-filled church? Is it just swinging from the chandeliers? Well, we don't even have a chandelier. Uh, It's not the enthusiasm of the flesh that makes a spirit-filled church. Now, we are enthusiastic, and we are more enthusiastic than every other church. Amen. You you get people filled with the spirit, they're going to be a little more fanatical than everybody else. But don't mistake that for spirit-filled, right? Because the flesh can do that just as good sometimes. I mean, if you go to an old-style Pentecostal meeting, there's lots of sweat. But many times, few, few miracles. So sometimes the, the most enthusiastic fervor 
is just sweat and flesh. So, so you know, we're not here to clap ourselves into a frenzy. That, that doesn't mean you're spirit-filled. Amen. The spirit is different. Amen. Those that worship must worship in spirit and truth. And That's spirit right. and truth right. worship is really mostly invisible. And it manifests different with different people. Some people, they get really silent in the spirit. Other people get really loud in the spirit. Don't mistake getting loud for being in the spirit and being quiet, not in the spirit. Don't, you can't look at the outside to determine if people are really excited. You know, how high, can, how high are the jumpers jumping to determine if this was a spirit-filled meeting? Uh, you can't do that. You'll, you'll make a huge mistake. And you go to some of these old-fashioned Pentecostal things and, you know, it all depends on the, the nature of the pulpit and how it's preached and how the pastor leads and how the people are uh, as to whether it's a real spirit-filled church or not or a real healthy church or not because sometimes they're very unhealthy. In the service, they're running around like crazy, like God's doing something, but behind closed doors or even in the pulpit, they're very legalistic and they kill people. Anybody been part of the UPC church, you'll, you have to recognize they got some great things. They love Jesus. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. They love God and, and their hearts, many of them are just perfectly pure. But as soon as they start bringing in legalism that's not scriptural or misinterpreting some of the scriptures that look legal and shouldn't be, all of a sudden now people are harmed. It just happens a lot. Uh, so you got to be very careful of those things. Like, you know, they'll get so mad at a lady for wearing makeup or cutting their hair or the way you dress. Uh, I remember my friend David Horton told a story because he grew up Church of God, was very similar. Church of God um, in the old days was very similar to the Pentecostals. It had some very strict. And so one day at the church, they, they had a prayer line and a lady comes up and gets filled with a young teenager comes up and gets filled with the spirit and her dress was, you know, just about the calf level. Well, that's against the rules, but she got filled with the spirit. The ladies prayed for her. She started speaking in tongues in church. It was good. And, uh, but at home, uh, my, our friend, brother Horton, he said he was, and he was just a, a teenager. He was at his house and his grandmother was cooking fried chicken. And he said, I could see grandma and she was flicking that grease and that chicken all over. I could tell she was upset. And he said, Grandma, what's the matter? She said, that, that girl at church. He said, yeah, that was wonderful. She got filled with the Holy Spirit. She said, she could have got it better if she would have sold a ruffle on her dress <laughs> to, to cover up all the skin. That's missing the forest for the tree, Right? That's the type of thing that happens when you get legalistic and don't have good Bible doctrine. Amen. So you got to be careful that just because people are filled with the Spirit doesn't mean it's a healthy environment. How did the girl get, how did she get filled with the Spirit? By faith. That's what Paul asked. He said, how did you get, let me ask you something. How did you get filled with the Spirit? By the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Was it about sewing a ruffle on your dress and not wearing makeup for 10 years in a row? Or was it something else? It's something else. Amen. So you got to be careful not to look at the outside uh, to determine if there's spirit in it. <clears throat> the law of faith works no matter what. Amen. So you have to preach it this way. You can't can and methodize everything we do in church or in Christianity. You just can't do it that way. You got to allow the law of faith to operate. And that's how you receive miracles. Because if somebody comes up here and stands on one foot and gets, gets a miracle, other people think, well, if I go up there and stand on one foot, I'll get, that's not, no, there's no strategy or method like that that's going to work for you. The law of faith doesn't operate by superstition or by outward action. The law of faith is an inward-driven uh, response to the spirit of God and the word of God. I mean, the law of gravity works whether you sing twinkle, twinkle, little star or hallelujah to God. The law of call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. It works in here and it works out at the ballpark Amen. and it works at the restaurant that sells alcohol. That, that's a law. You call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved no matter where you're at. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. You have to recognize, all, all, everybody knows all things are possible with God. All Christians believe all things are possible with God because he's God. But then you have to go a little further and realize, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Ask, believing, and anything you can have. And then you got to go even further and really stand there and be persistent. Oh, wait, I can actually be healed. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out in this law of faith and I'm just going to expect to have the miracle that I'm desiring. Amen. And I'll knock and it shall be opened. And if it doesn't look like it opened, it, it's got to open. It says it shall be opened. Shall be opened. It shall be open. Knocking it shall be open. Knocking it shall be knocking it shall knock knocking it shall knocking it shall be open. Knocking it shall be open. There's no doubt about it. This thing it's gotta open. Why is it taking so long? I don't know, but it's gotta open. It's gotta open. It's knocking it shall be open. The scripture says it shall be open. Shall be open. Shall be open. Shall be open. This is the law of faith. I don't have to work up emotional fervor to get God to move. I don't have to beg. I don't have to crawl. I don't have to plead. No, no, I'm just going to stand on the knock, knock and it shall be asking. You shall receive, seek, and you'll find. For he who asks receives. He who knocks, it shall be open. So I just, how come it's not open? I don't know, but it'll open. I mean, the scripture says it'll open. Okay, so that's just the persistent Christian that says, you know what? I know my father has promised and I know I shall have it. It's not a hard thing. He's not holding it back from me. It's just me. I got to make sure the door gets open. I know it'll open. Pretty easy, huh? Somebody rings your little ring doorbell once and then disappears. You don't even mess with it. If they do it two, three times in a row, it's like, what are these people wanting? God's way better than that. And so all you got to do is just stay at the, at the doorbell. Stay at the door. And you could, add, you could add some good things in there. So we're, we're not talking about begging. We're talking about fully trusting, right. qu- quietly persistent. I know you're there, God. <laughs> and you could add some holy things in there like heart purity. Some of, you, some of you need some character things to change. Go ahead and ask for that. Lord, I need my heart to be pure. I need my motives pure, my heart pure. I need to be humble. I need to change. I need to let go of all this other stuff. I need to, and and you got to get some heart purity. And that, that applies to so many arenas of your life, you know, uh, honesty and no offense and sold out to Jesus and totally sincere about the Lord and people or or power. I, I need some power in my life to help other people even. I know everybody kind of wants power when they first hear that there's power to be had. It's like, oh yeah, I'd love to do some miracles. That'd be fun. Oh, that'd be wild at work if I could do some miracles. Yeah, well, let's go on into the purity part and then really get some power because you, you have deep compassion to help hurting people. Amen. And if you, can, if you can get there, you can have power. You can't have power to be famous. That'll never work. Just the show-off aspect doesn't work. Oh Lord, if you could do a miracle in front of my family, oh, everything would be so wonderful. So I'm just going to believe you for that. That won't work. Motives have to be even purer than that. It has to be total compassion for people. God will get glory, but you have to have right motive for it anyway. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Um, and a lot of times, if you, if, you, if you can't get a pure heart and a humble heart, then you'll have too much pride. And even though you know a lot, and even though you're spirit-filled, It'll, it'll mess things up for you and for your church. Amen. Now, hopefully there's enough that override that, but it happens. I mean, Oral Roberts used to tell this, and some of the other healing evangelists would say this and confirm it. Back in the 50s, a big healing move where they set up a tent, and he, the healing power of God was flowing all around the, the nation. And Oral Roberts said this. He said, you know, when we f- would first put the tent up, man, we had some tremendous miracles happen. He said, but by the end of the week, the Pentecostals would show up, and it would dampen the spirit. Now you'd think it should be the opposite. When the Pentecostals show up, it should raise the spirit. The problem is they brought the wrong spirit. Knowledge puffs up. And that's what happens a lot of times. If we think we know it all and, and we're just kind of running on fumes, 
without the purity and the power and the presence of God and the compassion and the love and the faith, then we'll mess up what we think ought to be wonderful. He said, and so we just plow through and have a, have a pretty good meeting. Uh, and, and eventually, as the Pentecostals got in and stopped judging everything, things would get back to order. So you got to be careful about, and even us, we can't judge the Pentecostals in a harsh way. It'll mess us up. And so we got to be careful how we address these things. We're doing it to enlighten us so that we can avoid what is wrong and embrace only what is good and right. Uh, another thing from the Pentecostals, since we're picking on them, uh, th there's the name of Jesus only Pentecostals, which say, and, and they don't only say it and believe it, they actually promote it and harp on it and fight people about it, is how did you get baptized in water? What did they say when you got baptized? And, and the first time you meet a person like this, they will ask you. If you say, I'm a Christian, they're like, how did you get baptized? Because they've been ingrained that this is somehow important. Uh, and their idea is uh, because P Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. So they say, see, he said, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So you got to say the name of the Lord Jesus only. Or you're not really saved. That's what they say. Are you kidding me? Does that feel right in your heart? Okay, it doesn't feel right in your heart. Does it, is it right according to scripture? Well, Jesus actually said in Matthew 28 that we should go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So who's right, Peter or Jesus? Both. They weren't, trying to dis, they weren't trying to identify and describe exactly the wording said at a baptism. They were preaching uh, in the name of Jesus, we do everything. Everything you do should be done in the name of the Lord. But he is the same as God and God's the same as the Spirit and Jesus is the same as the Spirit, so it doesn't really matter. And that's why I say that it doesn't matter what people say when you get baptized. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, it counts. Amen. Like it takes, even if the baptizer just grunted, mm, glory, you're done. You're, you got it. You, you've, you obeyed Jesus. You, you did it in the name of Jesus. Didn't matter what they said. They could have said it in a different language. Doesn't matter. So we, we don't want to get nitpicky and legal on stuff that's not supposed to be. It just ruins the whole spirit of faith. It ruins everything that's holy. So you got to be careful of that. And, you know, everybody has a knack of, of turning holy things into something natural that we can manage. And we got to be careful of that. Good word. Amen. Good word. Can we pick on other denominations? Here, we'll pick on, we'll pick on us. We'll pick on the charismatics. We'll pick on the spirit-filled people. The charismatics would probably have all died at the Red Sea. Because we'd have had to have a whole worship set. We'd have had to have, we'd have had to sing for an hour, pray for, we'd have had to have intercessory prayer meeting. We'd have had to march. We had to do Jericho march. There's not even time to do Jericho march. We'd have had to do all sorts of stuff thinking that's what's going to bring the power of God to split this thing. We'd have had to have drop cloths to cover up. We have our own traditions that we start leaning on as this is how it works. No, no, no. The Red Sea split by, by faith. Because one man heard from God and obeyed God and stretched that rod over and it parted. So you don't need to do, you don't need to circle around and, and, and do a, a whole rigmarole for somebody to get healed. Just fix the person. Just by faith, fix the person. Just lay your hand, point your finger and fix the person. So we all kind of tend to can things and, oh, this is how it's all going to work out. Got to be careful of those. And then, uh, then, then you always have somebody that wants to get ceremonial about things. Like, we, you know, how many times have you heard, that was such a beautiful ceremony. That should be said at weddings, not church services. 
Even, even charismatics sometimes decide, you know, we need, we need to do some traditional ceremonial things and, uh, like the Catholics, you know. We need to have prettier buildings, gold inlaid and stained windows and uh, prettier clothing for the priests and stuff like that. It's like, leave that to the professionals. We're terrible at it. Let, the, let them, they're, they're better. They're going to be better at it. So don't try to mimic. So I picked on, who have I picked? Have I picked on everybody yet? Let me see here. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's be a little bit religious. And we're failures at it. And this is, where you, this is where you find a real important discrepancy between Bible people and traditional people. The technical term is solo scriptura versus prima scriptura, which is a Latin word for uh, scripture alone or scripture plus traditions of the elders. And you start running into trouble with, with tradition of the bishops and elders even when they say, but we're doing the traditions that came from the early apostles. You going to trust them? No. The only thing we can trust, absolutely, is Scripture. Yes. And also, we need to trust things of the Spirit. So a, a right word of prophecy or word of knowledge would also be straight from God. Yes. But it would also never contradict Scripture. So Bible alone has to be our sole authority for all things doctrinal. Amen. Now, maybe the Spirit says some things that aren't in Scripture, that don't contradict Scripture, and we have to go with that too. But by, bottom line is, solo scriptura is who we should really be. Because in the other realm, they include not only Holy Ghost manifestation and Holy Spirit speaking through other preachers and prophets, uh, to explain truth and such, but they add in their traditions, and that's where you fall short. You can't add traditions in there. How could you trust a tradition, even if they say it came from the early church? How could you trust the tradition? And it's always something carnal. You know, golden goblets and listen. If you if you if you try to add liturgical tradition into our spirit-filled word and spirit church, it's always going to get carnal. Amen. And, and it always leads to more wine drinking. <laughs> Bottom line is it always leads to more wine drinking. You, you do traditional carnal things in church, it will lead to wine drinking. Because if you're standing on something other than God's word, if your faith is misplaced on actions up at the front or ceremonial attributes, it's going to crack at some point. And to fill that crack, alcohol. Not for everybody, but just imagine all the, the wine that's drank out of those golden goblets. Why wouldn't people drink? <laughs> Anytime you find high on the liturgical side, you're going to find carnal Christians. I mean, you got carnal Christians everywhere, but if that's what you do in church, it's not going to create healthy Christians. So, <clears throat> anybody got any other denominations we can pick on? Uh, let, let me just say it this way. Okay, so let's say the tradition passed down from century to century was important. How come they didn't uh, keep salvation by faith alone through all those years? They had to go from early church through the, the hundreds, 200s, 300s, 400s, 500s, 600s. How come they didn't keep tongues and, and salvation by faith alone? How come Martin Luther had to raise the Bible up and say, y'all have deviated? Why is it all the spirit-filled stuff that gets discounted? How come that can't be our tradition? That tradition didn't start up again until the 1900s. So you can't trust tradition, even if it's from good bishops. I mean, it's amazing how, you know, how messed up doctrine, even, even before the Bible was ended, Jude is reminding them, hey, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the apostles, to the saints. 
They were already making mistakes. Look at how much correction Paul had to give before he even left the earth. People who were deviating, going backward, people who were not obeying the doctrine, people were creating their own doctrine. And beware, false teachers are coming. So don't act like that there's some holy thing because a bishop in the first century said, I came from the apostles. Here's what they did. I wouldn't trust. You can't trust that. You can only trust the scripture. Amen. So put all your faith on the word of God Amen. and on the Holy Spirit, not on tradition. That's the main point. Praise the Lord. All right. Lutherans? Presbyterians? Anybody? Anybody? If you're mad at me, blame it on uh, Mike. He gave me his notes for this. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't feel like I've picked on people. I, 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 have, to, I have to do it. You know, it, it helps us recognize who we really are. Yes. You need to embrace who we really are. You need to embrace this, this real new covenant. Okay? Yes. And the new covenant bought by the blood of Jesus uh, includes tongues, yes. supernatural things, Hallelujah. and is void of traditional ceremonial stuff. It, it, it just... Listen, it just is. Unless you can find it in the New Testament, you can't bring it in. Or you can't bring it in and act like it's important. Amen. Amen. Because somebody's thinking, well, is, the, is our music style, is that? Our music style is just preference. We're not basing all of our, any of our faith on our music style. Your church could like rock. It could like country. It could like southern, go- I mean, it could like gospel. It can like old gospel hymns. It can like new, it doesn't matter. That's just preference from the pastors mostly. Don't put your faith in that. It'll mess you up. If it's in the scripture and it can be confirmed with two or three witnesses, it's doctrine. And if it's not confirmed by two or three witnesses in the New Testament, then we can't bring it in and say, this is absolute for everybody. Even if we have tradition, we have a couple traditions. We do a couple things here that we have to decide how to do the ceremony. Weddings, baptisms. So at the baptism, I have to say something when we, ba- we had to say something when we baptize, right? I mean, we didn't tell our leaders, just grunt. If you're excited and you can't get it out, just grunt. But we, we do tell them to say things just to say something. What, what do we tell them to say? So that's a tradition that that's a, a custom or, or that's a customized custom that we came up with. So we do a few things like that. We have several songs and it's a time frame and we have a, 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 then an announcement. Those are customs, right? That's culture, that's custom. And, and we could modify those if we wanted to. It just seems to work. So, but we don't put our faith in those things and act like it's highly spiritual. So at the baptismal, just so you know, uh, we say both. We say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, got that covered. Baptize you to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Covered them both. How about that? Is everybody happy yet? Is anybody mad at anybody yet? Nobody's mad? Okay, good. Listen, it's just so we have to knock off things that aren't helping and really devote our energy and our faith to things that cause miracles and cause good stuff to happen. So there's a lot of charismatic traditions that we have to be careful of. I've even, you know, made light of the drop cloths. It's like, why do we have drop? Why do we have these drop cloths that somebody made? Somebody here made are very beautiful. We thank them for them. So we don't have to see your belly when you fall. So, so, but that's important. It seems important to us. We have those ready at all times. Why? Because we're, we're what? We're expecting a few people to possibly fall on the ground. Isn't that why we have it? So that's fine. We need that. But if, but if we were expecting 
miracles to happen when people got prayed for, we'd have our phone out. See the difference? Praise the Lord. Hey, I think this is part of understanding spiritual things. Concerning spiritual, I don't want us to be ignorant. Uh, we're not here to just follow the traditions of our forefathers. We keep our heritage of faith. We don't have to keep our heritage of music. Except for Amazing Grace. We have to keep that one. Somebody said we have to keep that one. Yeah. We, we, we owe it to the Lord Jesus Christ to keep it scriptural. That's all we have to go on for sure. There's a few other things that we can say kind of work, but that's all we have to go on is scripture. Everybody has to go off scripture. Makes it safe for us, and it actually causes right things to happen. God has mercy. Listen, he has mercy on everybody that's not doing it perfectly. Maybe we're not doing it perfectly. He has mercy on us. He has mercy on, listen, he has mercy on every denomination. He didn't even, he didn't even think of them as denominations. He thinks of them as believers. He's rooting for every believer to get it right. He's rooting for every preacher to preach it wonderfully. He's rooting for the Holy Spirit to have his way. And any open heart in any church at any moment in the whole city, in any denomination, he will touch them, save them, bless them, heal them even. Anywhere there's an open heart that trusts him, he will do his work. So he, he's not excluding anybody. There's probably some things we can all do better. That's what we're doing here. Because we want to split that Red Sea. We don't just want to have a meeting. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.